lot of us will look around and say, what can I sell? You know, what, what can I get rid of? And I have very few things like that that are just of monetary value. I mean, we have everything we need. Two, one, two, three, four. Hey y'all, it's Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and it is a thousand degrees today. Y'all, I no longer can go in the hot tunnel unless it's like six in the morning, and I'm not a morning person, so it's, it's intense, but we are covered up in peppers, and that's also kind of fun. But I've also had a significantly difficult couple of weeks along with, um, the folks in my coven, nothing I can talk about on the air, but it is, it's just been a struggle for a lot of us recently and also for the folks in my family. So yeah, weird energy out there, isn't there? And uh, money seems to be an issue for myself and almost everyone I know uh, or that I'm close to. And I don't mean that my savings is getting low. There's not one of those. I mean that it's significantly difficult these days, such as the state of our economy. But when I was trying to think of something I wanted to talk about today, um, I've, I've been sick. I got sick and I don't know what it is. It's not COVID and I don't go anywhere. So I really don't know what in the world this is. You know, it may just be a common cold, but I have no idea. And I was trying to hurry up and get a podcast out because, as y'all well know, I do this once a week. I don't have time to get ahead. And uh, I was trying to force myself. And so I called my friend Dasso's Croissant. And uh, what I wanted to talk to her about was just bounce off some ideas that have been playing in my head lately. And I thought by today I'd get it cleared up. But alas... Being sick does kind of mess up the creative juices, so I'm going to just talk it out with y'all, if that's okay. Um, I thought I wanted to talk about what poverty, you know, the kind where you don't have a home uh, and don't know what you're going to eat, that kind of poverty. And so I wanted to talk to Dasos about that, what I learned from that, and, and how it affected my craft, how that has informed, if you will, my witchcraft, because I do believe everything that happens to us and all the ways we grow and our traumas and our joys, all of it, the lessons um, of living, they do tend to seep into our magic in one way or the other. And we talked for a very long time about things I thought I was going to bring up today. But when I woke up this morning, I thought there was only one thing that I really had to say today. I was neat, but almost anything that I could sell has for one reason or the other become precious to me. For instance, this computer that I'm talking to you on, my dear nephew and a uh, member of our coven, they've moved up to North Carolina, but they are still an honorary member, always will be. Anyhow, Wolf Braun, after 10 years of teaching, 
may have been just a little bit more than a decade, come to think of it. But anyhow, he decided to build me a computer. Those were his skills. And at the time, he had the money and uh, built me a computer from scratch. (laughs) Um, I had to purchase a few things, of course. I had to purchase a lot of things to put it all together. And that was because I was working on a very old one and it was hardly holding in there. And that was all season one of the podcast. And, you know, he just wanted to see his Aunt Subba make it. And so he gifted that to me. And my sweet Willa Raven, who's also in the coven, helped pay for that. And between the two of them, they created this beautiful gift that, yeah, I suppose does have a monetary value. I mean, of course it does. However, even if somebody were to offer me that and I could get a cheaper situation and and move along, I couldn't do it because of the work and the love that got put into it. So that's one issue. What I do have, I couldn't really come up with a number for. I've never been a big jewelry girl, so there's not a whole lot of that to sell either. I'm not really into, well... It's not that I'm not into money. It's just that that has never been my focus, really. And uh, so even my band is extraordinarily old, 24 years old, running like a top. It's an old grandma van. You know, the AC doesn't work anymore, but she's paid for and I love her and it's good enough. So that would not be the stuff that I would, you know, the old adage, saving a fire. And the things that I would have, as Dasos pointed out to me, gone from being valuable to invaluable. And that's a concept that's very difficult to get across to somebody in a capitalist society. (laughs) They've become invaluable. You can't buy it. Not as long as I'm living. And even then, good luck prying it out of the, the hands of my children. Because they know what it meant too. And we're horribly sentimental. The thing that probably means the most to me in my home, and this is um, bypassing all kinds of things that I reckon y'all would find to be more valuable. When my grandma died, I was uh, not given the opportunity to get very many things from her. I was her favorite. I was her oldest. But, you know, I'm sort of Cinderella in the story. And she was gone and couldn't fight for me anymore. So I was only allowed to get two things. Um, Other folks were able to get a lot of things, but I was only allowed, you know, two. And I fought very hard for those two things. And one of them is a quilt she made for me when I was a young punk-ass kid. I was going through a thing, and I reckon I'm still going through it because all of my life I have not enjoyed what society, y'all remember, I am of a certain age taught me were girl colors. As far as I was concerned, they could take girl colors and shove them up their ass. They didn't suit. (laughs) Uh, Neither did lace or patent leather shoes or dresses are still very difficult for me. Very difficult. Honestly, the only one I wear is from Hatcraft Farm. And she knows exactly what I want to look like. I want to look like a swamp hag and... (laughs) And I want to be able to wear blue jeans under it if I want to. But yeah, so I have that quilt. Actually, it's not a quilt. I think they used to call them Afghans, and I don't remember why. Um, But it's in a chevron pattern. 
and I picked out the colors, and it's in uh, a very starlit, dark blue, brown, cream, and like an orange-brown rust color. And yeah, past animal and human life, if I had to save something from a building that was going down, it would be that. It has become indeed invaluable to me. Now, I reckon it probably couldn't get more than, what, 20 maybe if you pushed it, $50 somewhere. That's never going to happen. Because it is love. It is her stitching. It is the thing I go to when I'm broken. It is the only thing that I'm sure that I can pass down and uh, assure that it'll get used. It is most important to me because it was made out of love, but it also is something that is art to me. And art often is invaluable. So I suppose what poverty taught me is that some things are just not for sale, even if you're hungry. And that's a shocker, isn't it? It really is. What else poverty taught me, besides um, an appreciation for art in all forms, is the barter system. I don't know what else to call it. I remember, gosh, I don't know, I think it was like 1991, I want to say. So, you know, the 80s were barely over, and believe me, (laughs) y'all, you couldn't tell that they were by looking at our clothes or our hair. (laughs) I've got some pictures from back then. I'll try to find them and throw them out there. But there was an old woman that lived next door to me. We both had old country houses, and mine used to be a canning factory. It was over, I don't know, 150 years old at that time. And the one next to me was probably older, looked like an old farmhouse. And in that farmhouse, there lived a very old and quirky woman. I believe until this day, she was a witch. Um, While a lot of folk in the country had these big iron cauldrons that they would use outside to do, um, as my people did, uh, growing up, goat stews and, you know, the like. And they were also used when culling things and having to cook down quite a lot of meat at one time. So she had one of those outside. Y'all, it's just story time day. I'm I'm too sick to do anything else, and I don't know where I'm going. Let's find out. And uh, she still cooked in it, and it probably wasn't sanitary. I can almost guarantee that one. Her porch was falling in, so she had laid boards across to be careful where she was going to walk. She always had chalk in her mouth. Uh, backer, as she called it, and a spittoon made of brass. And I think that was to keep it from eroding too much on her front porch. And so her fingers were dyed that color. You know, they were that tobacco brown, and so was her lip. Pretty dyed. And she was, gosh, at the time, I reckon, 80-something. I don't think she ever went to the doctor. And I know that things got really, really bad for her. She had the biggest heart. Um, and so when a stray cat come along, she couldn't tell it no. And without money to get them fixed and without any help from anyone in town or anywhere else, they made more. So she became the crazy cat lady. All of them were tuxedo cats, you know. And they were everywhere. 
So there were black cats perched up on that big iron cauldron, and it's as big as the one as I own today that I got from an antique store. I mean, I cannot wrap my arms around my cauldron. I just can't. It's too big. And it takes about three men to move it. So here was this woman (laughs) who had a cane, who cackled when she laughed and didn't have all of her teeth, and wore a very funny pointed straw hat and had a, a cauldron and black cats everywhere. So I don't know. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because it has been my understanding and my experience that poverty extreme, you know, bone-chilling poverty brings folks closer to the old ways every time. It just does. You know, they have to feel connected to the land. They have to feel connected to the wheel of the year. I mean, think about it. They have to. My neighbor didn't have electricity in that house. So, There wasn't any way for her to have a refrigerator. There was no way for her to stay warm in the winter other than the fire, uh, the fireplace that she had. So she had to be connected in a way that we just aren't anymore unless we're really trying as witches and pagans and druids and magical leaning folk to be connected, especially if we have um, central heat and air and all of that kind of Uh, wonders of the world, which is awesome, but we are losing something as well. We have to work harder than, say, my beautiful neighbor. I have to tell y'all, one of my greatest guilts is the fact that I have forgotten her name. To me, it would seem to be the only respect that I should have remembered to do for her, and I cannot remember her name. I mean, I get it. 1991 was a long-ass time ago, but I've searched for it. I've scrambled for it. It's not there anymore. And my other neighbor that lived on the other side has passed away. Oh, gosh, 20 years ago she passed away. So there's no one to remember, except I can close my eyes and I can see her. And I'm talking about her today. Poverty has also taught me that stories matter more than gold. But we'll get to that. So, my husband, the reason I was living in that old house, well, we had just gotten married, and I had just gotten pregnant, and things were not going well. Although, he is my Billy the Kid. (laughs) The descendant, actually, of Billy the Kid. And um, the sweetest man I've ever actually met in person or known or had the joy to have spent any time with. But he also got addicted to drugs, and the drugs took over, and uh, I ended up being the only person in that home with a new baby and a five-year-old. No, sorry, a six-year-old. Doesn't matter. So my six-year-old daughter was a handful, and this is back in the days where kids would run up and down the road, you know, they just run a little bit wild. You kindly knew where they might be. And if you really needed them, you'd holler at your neighbors and all the phones were landlines. So you get the idea. And I couldn't keep her away from my old neighbor's house. Now, that was a problem because this was a fallen apart house. It was a sort of a dangerous house for a little kid. It was a filthy home. You know, she couldn't have cleaned it if she wanted to. And my daughter wanted to be there. 
And again, there were cats everywhere, but none of them had their shots. I mean, this was a dangerous state of affairs. And if I wasn't paying attention, she would skedaddle. I mean, this is maybe like 20 yards away. Our houses were very close together over there and sit on that porch and listen to stories and snap beans. And while I am not an asshole anymore, I look back and think I might have been a bit of an asshole about the whole situation. All, you know, normative concerns aside, that little girl was just making that old woman's day. And uh, there were bigger and scarier monsters for her to play with. So when I ended up alone in that home that I loved, that I owned, very old one, but doesn't matter, owned it. I had to work. And at the time, y'all, I had no college. I had I dropped out of um, high school in the seventh grade, so I didn't even complete eighth grade. Um, I had a GED, but it wasn't worth much. I know y'all know this if you don't have any kind of skill set or whatever. And so the only thing I could do back then to support my children was to clean houses. And that served me well for probably, oh my goodness, a good 15, 20 years before I finished a doctorate later on in my life. It it served me quite well. I was good at it. It was quick money. It was under the table. And uh, sometimes I was allowed to bring my kids. And I was. I was allowed to bring my baby because a baby will just sit in their little, you know, shaky rocky chair. <laughs> you remember those? And they vibrate, and you can get a lot done. And this, I tell y'all what, this is not advisable. What I did, what I had to do, really, it's not advisable. Well, don't do this today. (laughs) Don't try this at home. (laughs) Anyway, but my little girl was wide open. She was wide open, and it was summer, so there was no kindergarten. And um, I was in a pickle. And one day, I was hollering at her to come on back to the house because she was over there again and I was just to my wits end about it and the old woman came out and leaned across the fence right there and said uh just so you know ma'am I won't hurt your baby I almost choked up hold up emotion just flew right out of me just now um and she I noticed something about her you know she was dirty and her clothes were messed up and that tobacco stain all over. But I noticed, <laughs> I noticed how pretty her eyes were. They were blue and they were twinkling. And I thought to myself, she didn't have to come over here like that. She must want to talk to that kid, my kid. And I said, I know, ma'am, but I don't want her to get scratched by those cats and I don't want her to fall through your front porch. And she's my only little girl. And it's scary for me. And she said, I understand. When I was a little girl, lots of people hurt me. Oh, y'all. Hold on. Ah, get a hold of yourself, Seba. Whew. All right. I think I got a hold of myself. So I told her that I was just really sorry. You know, I was an asshole. I was an asshole. Uh, I was in my 20s and I was an asshole. And I said, I'm sorry. But I need my kid to come on back home right now, and I need for you to stop hollering at her to come over. She said, I don't. And I said, well, I'll build a bigger fence. And I was just a complete jerk about everything going on. And the next day was a Saturday. 
And when I woke up, I heard clanging going on. And when I looked outside, that old woman was dragging things and leaning them up against trees and trying to make a fence. Um, it was an old-timey box spring back in the day, you know, all metal. Um, some chicken wire, just everything she'd get her hands on trying to make a fence. But it wasn't between our properties. <laughs> it was, uh, it was in front of her front porch. It was barring off her front porch. And I watched her do it, and I kept peeking out at her and thinking how crazy she was. And sometime around along that night, I saw her drag some chairs, two chairs, out front of that fence. And what she had done, y'all, oh, bless it. She'd quartered off her house. She had um, blocked her home to block in all the cats in her house where they couldn't get out and to block a six-year-old little girl from standing on a porch. And had sat out two old rickety chairs out front and was sweeping the dirt. She was sweeping the dirt in between these chairs trying to make it look presentable. I don't know if I can tell the damn story. Hold up. Anyhow, she had uh, also... She had also found a mason jar, and she had a well on her property. It's the only way she she had to pump it. And uh, she found a mason jar, and she picked some dandelions and put it in that mason jar and set it on top of an egg crate in between those two chairs. And I started to understand what was happening and uh, closed the curtains and went and sat down and thought about myself for a little bit. Thought about myself a lot, actually, because as scared as I was... Of losing my little girl to, you know, a, a cat bite or a fall through a porch. My neighbor was more afraid of losing the only friend that she had. And so the next morning, I, I sat my daughter down, six years old, and like I said, rambunctious wild thing. And I told her, I said, do you want to go next door to Miss... I'm an asshole and forgot her last name and first name, and so I suck. And she said... Oh, please, oh, please, Mommy, she's my friend. I'm like, okay, here are the rules, and if I catch you breaking the rules, uh, you can't go over there anymore. It'll be over, and Mommy won't let you ever see her again. So you better watch it, because you're going to get her in trouble. And I don't remember what those rules were. You know, I'm sure it was like, don't lick anything. I don't know. But I gathered my kid together, and I made her a fresh water bottle that was... <laughs> I felt like safe water, and I packed her a lunch that I felt was a safe lunch, and then I packed an extra lunch and put it in a paper bag for my neighbor. And I walked over there, and I said, this looks right pretty. You know what? It didn't. It did not look right pretty, but she had done the best she could. And I said, I've left my front door unlocked, and uh, there's a phone in there. If something goes wrong, I have to go to the grocery store. And uh taking my baby, and I'll be back in about a half hour. And I've never seen such a joy jump out of somebody's face. I've never seen eyes light up like that before in my life. Those two were in love with each other. <laughs> they were in love. My daughter was in love with an old witch. And um, and she stayed true to her word. She, They sat there every day. They'd sit there for a little bit every day. And I'd pack the lunch because, you know, y'all, I just didn't want her eating out of the house. And um, I've always fed my neighbor. 
And then things got really hard financially for me. I mean, this is um, a long time ago. And, you know, I didn't have any people to help me financially. I, my husband couldn't. He was addicted. And, and that life, it, it's just too hard. And he couldn't help at all. So I was only able to keep the lights on and keep us fed through cleaning toilets of rich people's houses. And that taught me a lot, too, by the way. It taught me a whole lot. And uh, we got close to going hungry. So I was picking her up uh, from her little front yard later on that summer. And um, I told my neighbor, I said, you know, we're having trouble with food. So I'll do the best I can for the next time. You know, I was making her lunch every day, and she said, if you want to know, if you want to know how, I can tell you how to grow some. And I said, I mean, I could try, but I don't know anything about it. I mean, I'd, when I was a little girl, my grandma knew how to grow things, but you don't pay attention when you're, you just don't, not usually anyway. And my missing in action husband's brother came over and tilled up a little spot out back. And uh, I found a better walking stick for my neighbor as well. And she was able to kind of hobble on over and look at the backyard. And she sat there underneath one old oak tree and told me what to do. And she told me to go to the store. No, that's not right. She told me to go to the farmer's market. And that was really important to her. And she was right because a lot of farmers back then they couldn't afford pesticide. You know what I mean? It was a long time ago, and the smaller farmers, the rural farmers, that they, they did it the old way. So all of those fruits and vegetables, while they would feed you one night, if you took out those seeds, they'd feed you all year. And so I got me a cantaloupe, and I got me some really pretty cucumbers, and I got some beans, I remember those. Oh, okra. I got okra. Mm-hmm. I'm Southern. I don't make the rules. And she told me how far to space it. And she told me to go get a bunch of those old leaves that were pushed way in the back 40 that had started to fall apart and kind of pull those together over the little rows. She showed me that it had to be Southern exposure. And uh, she taught me. She taught me. And I did all the work. And she did all the storytelling, and I learned how to make pickles in my early 20s, and I learned how to make pickles, and I learned how to do all this. And I know you're probably sitting there going, what the fuck does this have to do with magic? And I've tried to tell y'all before when I'm telling you a story, everything, baby, just damn near everything has to do with magic here. Hold up. <laughs> Anyhow... I made pickles, and I put up okra. I put up too much okra, so she would have some, too. And uh, I canned beans. That was terrifying. Pressure cooker always scares me. And I just made as much damn food as I could. And I shared half of it with my friend. And that winter, it got real cold. Now, I knew some folks, and they brought firewood. I didn't have a working fireplace but I uh, traded off some of my work cleaning houses and got some firewood and gave it to her because she had a big old stone fireplace. Probably was not a great idea. Probably was a very serious fire hazard. I can't go back in time, and I was young. So she did have fire. She did. 
And I'll never know exactly how old she was, but I do know I kept her fed that winter. I do know she was fed. And um, I did save all of my scraps to feed her cats because they were her only family. And um, one morning she didn't come out. <laughs> she just didn't come out of the house. And her front porch was too broken down to walk across. And um, whatever powers that be, I know, I don't know if she had any kin. I never saw any kin. But whatever powers that be came to, to raise the house to the ground and she was gone. And my daughter grieved. Oh, God, my daughter grieved. And most of her stuff got taken. So the cauldron got whisked away. I, I think they put all the cats to sleep. It was pretty much a horror show. But I will tell y'all something. I will never understand how it got there. I will never understand how she would have known that it was almost her time. But I remember that morning that she didn't come out of that house. That old mason jar was sitting on my porch. I don't know how she would have known. I don't. But I have that mason jar today. And honey, when I tell y'all that's invaluable... <laughs> You can't buy it from me, not while I'm living. <laughs> mm. Oh, by the way, um, nobody ever built there again. It's just a field. Last time we went up there, it was just a field. I went and paid my respects for one brief second, but I couldn't feel her there. So who knows? Let's talk about what it has to do with magic. I'm going to work backwards here. I learned that um, some gifts that we give folks some of those, they never die. They can even get passed down. And I mean, the things that aren't material. Honestly, I don't know if you'd ever heard my voice. I don't know if you ever would have if somebody hadn't taught me to put my hands in the soil and smell it to see if rain was coming. <laughs> I don't know if I would have learned how to grow my own food. And that saved me more than one time in my life. And sometimes with very little space outside to do it in. If you got a patch of sun, you're good to go. Um, I wouldn't have been so in tune with the seasons. I know that. I wouldn't have thought they were so important. And all of those things are big. And all of those things are witchcraft. And all of those things matter. And all of those things are invaluable. But the magic I would have missed if I had not have paid attention. And if I had not met. The crazy poor old cat lady next door. The greatest thing I would have lost is the ability to see magic where everyone else sees dirt. Is the ability to feel that while hungry, while broken. Is the ability to see someone speak to you and show you, show you what really matters in this world, which is people and animals and flowers, and magic, <laughs> and stories, and all the shit you can't buy. Whenever I get worried that I no longer can maybe afford to do a podcast, whenever I get worried that I don't have good health insurance, and that I may be in trouble when I get old because I don't have a retirement, whenever I get all upset and my panties in a wad <laughs> because I can't afford you know, new shoes, or the television is going out, and those damn things are $400 these days, whenever I get upset that I just don't know if I can afford my $15 Netflix bill. 
there's something that saves me. And it's the image of two old rotten chairs on a swept dirt pathway with a makeshift fence just behind it protecting a little girl in a mason jar full of flowers. Because that's wealth. Her memory is invaluable. And I wanted to tell y'all today that so are you. No matter how much money you have, no matter how hard you're struggling, hold the magic. Keep the mason jar full of flowers. <laughs> Don't give up. Fight for one beautiful afternoon. Well, I reckon I've put myself in a state and need to go. I tell y'all, I'm not an artist. I've always wanted to be because I can see things in my head the way I wish I could make them and then I can't. I'm, when I say artist, I can't paint. I can't draw. <laughs> but um, if anybody out there knows how to and and could paint this scene for me, I would be forever grateful. I sure, I sure would. Um, maybe I could uh, trade y'all and barter with y'all some homemade pickles from the farm. Y'all let me know. I'm right here and I could give you more details about what she looked like and what the porch looked like, but I would uh, be happy to barter with y'all because I'd like to leave it for my children. You know, it's one thing to be able to describe it to somebody while you're living and really try to get them to hear you. And I worry, I worry that my sons and my grandbaby won't be able to hold that when I'm gone. So if somebody knows how to do that, I would be more than happy to send you stuff from my farm. On the subject of art and just to wipe my snotty nose and cut it the hell out, I'll tell y'all what, the older you get. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just cry at the drop of a hat these days. Um, Hackrow Farm, as you've heard me talk quite a lot about, has offered us a very special code, and it's only for my listeners, and it's for a whopping 20% off. The code is SFW, all caps, SFW2023, and it's worth 20% off anything from August 13th until August 27th, and I highly encourage you to go look over there at hackcraftfarm.com. These are some beautiful clothes. I've already spoken about them enough. Y'all know what the collection looks like. There is a particular gorgeous thing in there. I think it's uh, your favorite NPC cloak. Anyway, it's a cloak and it's the lithic colorway. Y'all go look at that one. It's like this really deep rustic purples and almost blacks and it's fantastic. But go look at her collection. As I've told y'all and all of my listeners, all y'all bat children, Hackcraft Farm is an artist and a witch artist, and they make beautiful, sustainable clothing. Also, just on that note, Leanne and Rebecca from Hackcraft Farm are going to be at the Bat Children Ball. The Bat Children Ball is the 27th through the 29th. I've got everything listed on my website, but you can't see it unless you're a patron. We've had, I think, three cancellations, which is unheard of that that's all we've had, and that's only because they can't make it, and that leaves spaces open. If you would like to consider meeting me here in the Deep South, right butt us up against Sawin and dance with me in the woods, it's a two-night stay, and we've got classes going on all Saturday, and Hatcraft is going to be there, and they are releasing their Sawin collection on site, and you can try it on. I'm going to be talking around fires 
and I'm going to be doing a live podcast. So y'all come on. All you have to do is become a patron. We are closing the doors on all new entries for the ball itself, not on patrons, but on the ball itself on September 1st. So if you're interested, become a patron today and you'll instantly get access to the event page, the password, and all of the extra fun stuff that goes with that. All right? Okay, I'm out of here. Y'all don't forget to check out Hackcraft and use your 20% off code before it's over. Love y'all like chicken. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.